0: The Illinois Senate passes an assault weapons ban after a heated debate. We did
1: hear concerns in committee and we made some changes during the day. There's no question i going to court. That's why we gave no testimony. There's no fixing this. We'll see you in court.
0: And I'll talk with Crane's reporter Danny Ecker about how Fulton Market's massive growth could force some answers to questions about
2: infrastructure. Well, what CDOT is saying is that we, that doesn't mean we need more parking. Add more parking, people will park. And then it gets more congested and then you have more of a problem. They want this to be... This really multimodal transportation neighborhood.
0: I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Wednesday, January 11th.
3: At Wintrust Community Banks, you're more than just another account number. No matter your stage of life, Wintrust's dependable bankers are as dedicated to your financial success as you are. After three decades of serving communities across Chicagoland, Wintrust has built its reputation on exceptional customer satisfaction and a strong local presence. That's why Wintrust is proud to be ranked number one in customer satisfaction in retail banking in Illinois by J.D. Power. Visit Wintrust.com slash J.D. Power to learn more about Wintrust's award-winning banking experience. Members FDIC. For J.D. Power 2022 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards.
1: I'm joined by Crane's reporter, Danny Ecker, here to talk about how Fulton Markets' growth could bring up some issues with infrastructure. So you recently took a look and you're reporting it at how so many new projects are being proposed for that area that it indeed does raise some questions about some potential congestion in the area. So tell me what you found in that reporting.
2: Yeah, this is really not a new topic for Fulton Market. I mean, we are really almost a decade now into this golden era of Fulton Market's redevelopment into this trendy corridor with all the big corporate tenants. And this was all brought about uh, several years ago by the city allowing downtown-like zoning in Fulton Market, you know, big buildings. They said, look, we could see these buildings becoming more popular and these sites. And hey, we have this new L stop here, the Green Line Morgan Station. They started saying, well, you could do a lot really dense, tall buildings here. Well, that was great and obviously it has now come to fruition where you have big buildings that have been built and many others that are even bigger being proposed it looks a little bit more like downtown but you don't have the infrastructure the public transportation that downtown has you have one you know cta green line station you have uh, a little bit of bus activity you have a lot of streets that were really meant for push carts that were selling meat not you know, commuters and, and uh, a lot of people living in this neighborhood. So these big buildings are now forcing the city to kind of answer the question about, all right, what is the infrastructure that is needed in this neighborhood to support its growth? You know, this is such a crucial piece of downtown that has been drawing companies and jobs and now residents at a time when a lot of other parts of downtown aren't. And the city is focused on making sure that that momentum continues. Well, do you need to add more of the loop-like infrastructure to support it and make sure that people want to be there and companies aren't going to feel like it's hard for their employees to get there? Or by doing that, are you going to kill the vibe and the character that makes Fulton Market what it is? That's a really interesting question that the city is now trying to answer, studying in different ways and trying to look at. How can we do this and make sure that this neighborhood grows, but also ensure that we're not cannibalizing it and and making sure that we're not taking away what has made it cool?
1: Right. And then there's also kind of this idea of like you want to keep encouraging economic growth. But at the same time, at some level, there'll have to be a little bit of a pause to make some infrastructure changes. But you don't want to make so much of a pause that it kind of throws a wet blanket on all that.
2: Right. You know, it's not easy to build new infrastructure whether that's you know sewer systems you know changing streets widening them or adding sidewalks it's not easy to do all this after everything is built you know, you have to try to do this in real time I and mean, it's very difficult yeah and this is why urban planning is is such a crucial piece of every city's development i mean this is something that you have to try to foresee where this is going and try to make sure you're keeping in character with the with the neighborhood that would how you want it to look and how you want it to feel. And you know, I was talking to the Chicago Department of Transportation. They talked a lot about how they don't want the car to kill Fulton Market. You know, this is an area where there are a lot of people commuting, especially now that are getting there by car because a lot of people are driving downtown when they when they have to. Uh, we'll see whether that's a trend that persists. But this is not an area that has a lot of places to park. Well, what CDOT is saying is that we, that doesn't mean we need more parking. You know, this is this is an area where if we make it, you add more parking, people will park and then it gets more congested and then you have more of a problem. They want this to be this really, you know, mixed multimodal transportation neighborhood. That's what they describe as what they want out of this. They want people to be using you know, more bike lanes public transit. Yes, there are some cars because look, there's also going to be a lot of people, thousands more people moving. there, living in some of these residential buildings that are going to be built there. And they want to make sure that this is not something that just becomes a neighborhood that has a bunch of parking garages in it just to try to accommodate the influx of congestion. I mean, people think about congestion and think maybe that's a, this has a negative connotation. There are people who say congestion is what we want. You know, that's It's the, it's the density, it's people and people moving around and yeah, it's not going to be easy to drive around there, but guess what? That's what it, that's a downtown environment. And that's especially in a post COVID time, what are people, what people are craving, companies are craving because they want to make it a neighborhood where people are going to want to show up to work.
1: And did you speak with any like neighborhood stakeholders, like neighborhood associations or anything like that, that feel, you know, like they have a, a vision for how that should go?
2: Yeah, you know, I talked to um, a couple people, two or three that have, you know, been in Fulton Market for a long time, whether that's by, you know, neighborhood groups that they've uh, been a part of, or they actually live there, or they work there, or they lease space there. And, you know, there's not really a consensus about here's the number one thing we need, or this is the biggest thing that, you know, there's, there's some low hanging fruit, there's two, you know, big metro tracks that run through this neighborhood there's not really these at grade improvements for people walking across there's so many people walking around there now and yet you have people just walking over the tracks like it's they're not really made for pedestrians really is what is what the neighborhood has so they never really needed to be and now they do so that's one thing that uh, the planning department and and uh, c. are looking at you know starting to see wh- how much they can add to those adding a couple traffic lights to try to alleviate some of the really bad backups during especially during peak hours you know some of the streets they're looking at you know making them going from two-way streets to one-way streets to deal with the fact that there aren't really big alleys for loading and unloading at some of these buildings that you would have in a place like the loop you know simple things like that that people who live in the neighborhood are are asking for i mean one of the people i talked to for the story was the former head of the West Loop Community Organization, which is a pretty prominent neighborhood group there, and she's now one of the executives on the West Central Association, kind of the Chamber of Commerce for the Near West Side. They're trying to just make sure that developers are doing their part because a big piece of this is not about, hey, what can the city fund and what can the city build out here? The big piece is making sure that every project as it is approved includes Plans for new sidewalks, new drop-off, loading and unloading zones, adequate parking. But you know, obviously, there's limits to you know, what what you can ask for because some of these developers are only doing some of these developments because they're transit-oriented in in their developments, and so they don't need as much parking. You know, streetscapes, open space. It's a big thing. I mean, this doesn't. This is not a neighborhood that has a lot of open space. So that's been a priority, and and some of these neighborhood groups are just making sure that the community of benefits agreements that some of these developers sign saying that we are going to make these commitments to whether it's investment in a neighborhood or certain public access things that they would actually be completed. So that's, I think, one of the things that there's a focus on by some of the stakeholders in the neighborhood to make sure that a lot of what these developers are doing is not affecting the quality of life in full market.
1: That's exactly where I wanted to go next, because I was wondering if there's any maybe brewing tension between who is this on? Is this on developers to be mindful of this? Or is this all on the city to accommodate whatever the developers come up with? And I think that's that's kind of what you're speaking to there.
2: Yeah, because what you have here is everyone wants this neighborhood to continue to grow. It's a good thing for the city, for people who own property there, for people who live there. There's more amenities. But everyone has to be sort of doing their part and i think there are people that live and work in fulton market that want the city's planning department and the department of transportation to make sure that they're keeping up with some of this cuz it's happening fast and buildings don't they aren't built overnight uh, and they take time but you know there's there are big projects that uh, could make a big difference like the the metro station that's been that's being studied right now. if there was a new metro station that would be added at the west end of Fulton Market uh, right at Ogden, that could be a big difference maker um, and that's being studied, but that might not be built out if it is for five, seven or more years. Um, so I mean anyone who's been to Fulton Market any time in the last several years during anywhere close to a, a rush hour period or even even at night, you know, on the weekends, it's just they know it's a it's it's really tricky to get around. And that has come up in conversations when I talk to companies that are looking at Fulton Market and wondering, hey, should we lease an office space there? We just referenced one of the story, a company that was looking exclusively in Fulton Market that ultimately decided it was they, they couldn't figure out. They said, how, how are employees going to get here? This is a problem for us. It was just too much of a uh, the shuttle system. They, they didn't like that or whether they're going to walk or use scooters. It just seemed like at a time when companies are trying so hard to get people to show up, if you add in a trickier commute for some people, depending on where they're coming from, that's going to harm your your goal there. So it's on a lot of different people here to pull this all together, but everyone is just hoping to make sure that Fulton Market continues to thrive. That's That's what everyone is hoping for.
1: So you mentioned um, studying a potential, you know, build out of a metro station. Are there any other projects that you know of right now that the city or developers or anybody else is kind of really seriously taking a look at doing?
2: I think the most interesting one that will shape a lot of what the future of Fulton Market is other than that metro station and how soon that becomes reality is Randolph Street. So there's a study going on right now that the Chicago Department of Transportation is undertaking about. Randolph and how it might be able to be totally redone to make it much more practical and dynamic, you know, and really break from what it has been historically, which, you know, anyone who's driven down Randolph, you know, you have these two lanes in the center of Randolph, very narrow traffic lanes, and then you've got these areas off to the sides that are, are split up from the center of the street by barriers. A lot of this was beautified, what was it, 26 years ago, 27 years ago now for the 96 convention that was great for the old Fulton market where you had a lot of meat companies there. And that's that was an area where there was lots of loading and unloading there. Not so great for a pedestrian friendly neighborhood. And Actually, the most interesting thing that we've written about recently that feeds into that was this new proposal from Related Midwest, which wants to build a 41 story office tower at 725 West Randolph. That's basically Randolph and the expressway. And they are going to get rid of that barrier between their property and the center lanes of Randolph Street and make that more of a plaza, you know, pedestrian friendly spot. They're hoping that is, as, is sort of a, a model for what the rest of Randolph Street could be. And if it is, I think that feeds really nicely into this idea of making this an area where there's a lot of outdoor pedestrian friendly activity, plazas, um, just making it a, an area that whether they add more parking or more more areas for cars to get through there, we don't know. But certainly there's so much unused area on Randolph Street, the super wide street that um, runs along really with the southern border of Fulton Market and and could be just another major and attractive thoroughfare for the neighborhood. So that's, I think, a a really interesting study that's uh, underway. And and one interesting wrinkle into that is I I learned this through (laughs) reporting the story that the state of Illinois actually owns the middle lanes of Randolph Street, whereas the city owns the outer lanes of Randolph Street. Don't really know the story of why behind that, but I do know that that's a, a, an interesting challenge that has to be overcome as they think about what the future of Randolph Street will be because they, the city and state need to work together basically to uh, figure out if Randolph Street is going to be redone, what does that mean for the ownership of the middle of the street, and can they be on the same page about how that would be funded and, and what would happen?
1: What an interesting detail to uncover in that.
2: Yeah, I don't know how common that is, but it was a it was an odd odd factoid.
1: Well, I'm sure uh, not the last time we'll be talking about this. plenty plenty more to discuss here, so we will revisit this soon. But before I let you go, a new vision for soldier field uh, was was unveiled recently to try to perhaps get the bears to stick around a little bit longer. What can you tell me about that while I have you here?
2: Yeah, so Landmark Development, which is the group that has proposed – gosh, it was several years ago now that they started the the effort to propose One Central, which is this $20 billion mega project that would be built over the rail yard that is across Lakeshore Drive from Soldier Field, if you can picture that. This would be a massive mixed-use project that would be connected by a bridge to Soldier Field and would have this entertainment district, a giant transit hub and would be heavily subsidized to the tune of more than $6 billion by the state to make it happen. That developer has been working with the city on looking at the future of the museum campus and Soldier Field. Could it have a dome over it? Well, now that we're getting closer to the Bears deciding whether or not they're going to close on their acquisition of the Arlington International Racecourse site in Arlington Heights, uh, this developer has basically seen that, you know, look, the, the Bears are give them leverage because if the city wants to keep the bears they would have to make a pretty compelling case that makes soldier field the kind of venue that the bears would be looking for and i'm not sure they even can but this might be their best shot this developer rolled out this video on sunday to say look at what we can do this is how we would dome soldier field we would use these areas around the colonnades that are totally unused today and you know knock down the south and north stands rebuild them make a concert venue outside, add tons of more club spaces. Plus this would all be connected by a bridge to one central kind of showing that what could be done here and not getting into so much of the numbers of how much all this would cost, which is a key detail, but you know, conceptually showing this is what is doable and making the argument that this is actually more economical for the bears and for the city than for the bears to, to build something from the ground up in Arlington Heights. So we don't really know whether this is going to be enough to get the Bears' attention. The Bears say they're focused only on Arlington Park right now. And, you know, seeing that through to see whether that is something they are going to buy and develop. But it was interesting to see, you know, you you, you looked at this video and you kind of go, boy, they really missed the boat 20 years ago when they, when they redid Soldier Field because he, here's what they could have done. Now, technology is a little bit different. There's cases of other domes being built like this since then. Uh, where it's not built on top of the stadium, but sort of built over the stadium, if that makes sense. And it's a really compelling vision for what that could be. Ha- having this transit hub would be one of the key pieces you know, at, at One Central because that's one of the biggest complaints of any- anyone has at Soldier Field. It's hard to get to. And so it's a really cool vision, and I'm very curious to see if the Bears decide to leave what happens to Soldier Field. And I think this developer is hoping to play a part in that um, there's some ideas around what could they do with this stadium if it didn't need to be as the, the size that it is um, there are far more interesting chapters to come on the future of Soldier Field with or without the Bears
1: yeah indeed well there's another topic we'll have to revisit down the road all right well thanks so much Danny always a pleasure all right Amy thanks
2: a lot
0: coming up in on-time performance Southwest slips and United soars we'll talk about that and more right after this
3: This coming February, Crane's Chicago Business relaunches its Executive Education Program in Leadership Development, custom-designed to hone the leadership skills of executives across the Chicagoland area. We're pleased to bring you new programming from Crane's Leadership Academy, designed and taught by renowned faculty from Chicago Booth School of Business. The program will benefit mid- and senior-level executives from the Chicagoland area across various sectors and industries who seek to heighten their leadership skills for success during these uncertain times. Sessions will be held at the Gleacher Center in downtown Chicago from February 24th through March 24th, 2023, every Friday from 9 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. A certificate of completion from Chicago Booth and Cranes will be provided. For questions about the program, visit CranesAcademy.com or email CranesAcademy at Crane.com.
0: 34 vote yay, 20 vote nay, zero vote present. Illinois lawmakers approved a bill that will ban the sale and manufacture of certain assault weapons in the state, reaching a deal that includes the immediate ban on manufacturing, selling, importing, or purchasing a range of such weapons. The legislation also bans attachments that increase the rate of fire of semi-automatic weapons. Bloomberg reported that the state Senate passed the legislation by a margin of 34 to 20 late Monday after deliberations that started on Sunday, with Governor J.B. Pritzker pushing for the ban at his inauguration speech.
3: Why do we allow anyone to easily purchase a rapid-fire, high-capacity weapon that can kill dozens of unarmed people in under a minute?
0: It now returns to the House of Representatives, which last week backed a version of the measure for a final vote. Governor Pritzker said in his inauguration remarks, quote, I'm done with the NRA having its way when it comes to mass shootings. This is the first time we've gotten to a floor
2: vote, and it's about time.
0: Make no mistake, when you vote for this today, you're violating your oath of office.
2: You also must know that uh, I and millions of other gun owners in this state will not comply.
0: With a keen awareness of the massacres occurring regularly, We as a chamber have an opportunity to take a step in the right direction. The passage came following back and forth among lawmakers after Senate members initially presented what House Speaker Chris Welch said was a watered-down version of his chamber's bill. Bloomberg reported, citing people familiar with the matter, that CVS Health is exploring an acquisition of Chicago-based Oak Street Health, which runs primary care centers for Medicare recipients. The potential deal would value Oak Street at more than $10 billion, and Bloomberg noted that the talks between the companies are ongoing and could still end without an agreement. Oak Street, with a market value of about $5.5 billion, rose as much as 32% in after-hours trading. CVS, a major pharmacy operator, has been expanding more recently into healthcare via acquisitions, agreeing last year to buy Signify Health, a deal that should close in the first half of this year. The company's rival, Deerfield-based Walgreens Boots Alliance, has similarly been making headway into the healthcare sector through acquisitions, as previously reported by Crane's Ali Maradi. Woonsocket, Rhode Island-based CVS, which bought the insurer Aetna in 2018, has said it wants to make healthcare more convenient and affordable for customers and has said it plans to partner with doctors or potentially acquire primary care practices. Oak Street, which went public in 2020, had 169 centers across the U.S. providing care for nearly 160,000 patients as of the end of last year, according to a company filing. Private equity firms General Atlantic and New Light Partners collectively own roughly 39 percent of the company, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. Sterogenics will pay $408 million to settle more than 870 cases alleging that ethylene oxide from its Willowbrook facility caused cancer and other health issues. That according to a press release late Monday from Sterogenics parent company, Cleveland-based Soterra Health. Citing the statement from the company, Cranes John Asplund noted in reporting that the settlement of claims is subject to substantially all of the plaintiffs agreeing to their individual settlement allocations and dismissing their claims with prejudice. Completion of the agreements is expected to take from 90 to 120 days, also according to the company's statement, which emphasized that the settlements are not an admission of any liability that emissions from the Willowbrook facility posed a safety hazard to the surrounding communities. Medical sterilization company Sterigenics had already faced two trials over claims that its emissions caused cancer in nearby residents. Many of the cases against Sterigenics came about after a study conducted by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in 2018 found that people in the surrounding area faced high cancer risks linked to the company. Southwest Airlines' operational woes weren't limited to its epic holiday meltdown. Citing aviation researcher OAG, Cranes John Pletz reported that the carrier's on-time performance rate slipped to just over 71% last year from just over 79% in 2019 prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. United, meanwhile, improved to just over 79% of flights on time, up from just over 76%. Pletz noted that the two carriers traded places on OAG's ranking of the world's largest airlines, as United moved to the number 8 spot from the 13th in 2019, while Southwest fell from 13 to number 8. American, the other big carrier serving Chicago, remained in the number nine spot with a 77% on time completion rate. As previously reported, Southwest, which built its reputation as much through on time performance as it did price, drew outrage from customers and scrutiny from regulators over the holidays when it was forced to cancel more than half its flights. Among U.S. carriers, Delta ranked first, followed by Alaska, United, American, Hawaiian, Spirit, and Southwest. United jumped to third from ninth in 2019, while American improved to fourth from eighth, according to OAG. Pletz noted that the rankings underscore the opportunity for Chicago-based United to make inroads against Southwest, noting that on-time performance is a key part of CEO Scott Kirby's plan for United to surpass rivals moving out of the COVID-19 pandemic, leading to higher revenue and bigger profits. Pletz also noted in reporting that United said its on-time performance last summer was the best third quarter in its history, also noting that the changes in on-time performance are also reflected in the airline's home airports. Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson International, home to Delta, was number two among the largest airports worldwide, according to OAG. But its on-time performance fell to just over 80 percent last year down from just over 86% in 2019. O'Hare, which ranks 7th, improved its on-time performance to almost 78%, up from almost 75%.